Welcome back, everyone. My name is Joel, and you've heard me many times before on this podcast, and I'm also joined by Tim. You've heard many times on this podcast. <laughs> Not quite as many as you. No, yes. that's true. Yeah. Yes, I am still ahead of you in the episode rankings. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I have to stage a takeover with me and studio a number of episodes just to catch up. Um, I welcome that. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it and see what happens, guys. Yeah, you did a takeover of, was it this podcast or Chip Lunch? Chip Lunch. Chip Lunch, you did a yeah. takeover. I think episode. it's like, yeah, I don't think people were that keen on it. Oh, that's unfortunately. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Hearing I think other I think diverse tastes. The yeah. just oh, just the things you've been listening to and reading. That's what I did. Yes, yeah. I just thought, well, why not? Why don't yeah. we do that? Yeah, if you want to deep dive on Joel, go check out the Chip Lunch feed. Yeah, it's like on current Joel. Current. That's Joel. what it was, wasn't yeah. it? Not really on. My yeah, history. just things you've been listening to, and, and yeah, you you listed out podcasts and books and. I do. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I don't listen to books though. I find that interesting. I I can't listen to books. Yeah, I found audiobooks are a great way of getting through some of the classics that are really dull, but I kind of feel like I should. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I've read it now. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, okay, I just I had to put up with it. So, you know, Les Mis was just atrociously dull. Um, but just, yeah, get on with the plot, dude. Just, yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Hunchback of Notre Dame was another one. When you actually get to the narrative, it's thrilling. But then he just stops and tells you about, you know, the monastery and goes on for oh, two really? hours of telling you about the particular monastery and how it was built and who lives there. And Oh, sorry, I got distracted. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Let's get back to the plot. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I think Victor Hugo, just he just really loved Paris. Didn't have an editor. Yeah. No, he didn't have an editor. That's true. <laughs> that was go. his problem. So how did, It's always fascinating. Like, how does he end up getting published? Then? Yeah, well, people had less TikTok back then. So less they, yeah, less, less TikTok, with, more book printing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as I said, welcome to the podcast. This is probably the last one of 2023. Mm, Christmas is upon us. And we're we're going to talk about a few Christmas-related things today. Yes. But before we do that, Mm. uh, I suggested Mr. Bean as a cultural artifact. (laughs) And then I think we agreed, no, that's not the case. But you have a more interesting one. Well, more, yeah, more current, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. What what is it? So uh, so you guys were talking about, you and Stu were talking about slow horses uh, last week, which I've not yet gone into oh, I, love, I watched the partly because my apple tv subscription has just expired so uh, well I, the only reason i'm watching apple tv is because i got uh new headphones new airpods and you get a th- free three months subscription oh, to nice. apple tv with yeah. that nice so i'm hoping bonus. i'm hoping that slow horses finishes before that runs out yeah right <laughs> Um, but I have been on Netflix and mm-hmm. there is this great, uh, Paul Terry um, oh, yes. put me onto this uh, German TV show called Dark. 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 Sounds dark. Uh, it's, it's, it's ominous. There's an ominous, ominous. presence mm. across the, uh, the series. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's about this little town in Germany um, that doesn't have very many people in it, just the key things that you need for a plot like a hospital and a school and a high school and um, <laughs> and most importantly, a nuclear power plant. So that's very important oh, to the plot. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, what you find out in the first couple of episodes is uh, that it's about time travel. Um, so, and it is done so well. Um, really? It, it's, I mean, it's shot beautifully. Like it's just the, the actual seen like the way it shot like just the cinematography is brilliant uh but yeah it's all about this there's a cave um and the cave has tunnels and they lead underneath the power plant and it's got all kind of things to do with dark matter and blah blah anyway it yeah. sounds a little outrageous but mm. it is done exceptionally well mm. and 
I'm almost finished the second season and it is just captivating and it's brilliant and um, there's characters that go missing from one timeline who then will appear in other timelines and then you realise how they were then connected to oh. people. So and it's the idea is that there are these – this time is cyclical um, and so you get these characters that are popping in and out of different timelines and um, the way that that impacts the – storyline and uh yeah there's always that trouble with timeline with time travel that if you go back in the past and you change something yeah like how does that affect mm. the current so the whole back when to the future time, thing when i've time traveled yes I yeah when you've time traveled you know, um so the whole yeah you know, the, the back to the future thing where he, he goes back and yeah you know, influences influences things, things which yeah. means that he may not end up existing so but what's <laughs> happening in this one because there's this idea that time is that it's all they're all caught in this cycle mm -hmm. that continually repeats itself. So they go, you go back in time, and you as a viewer are, are watching one timeline, like one, you're watching it happen linearly, but uh, you see them affect things in the past, and then you realise that actually you already know what that affects. So it hasn't hasn't changed anything, um, but with the actions that they're taking, uh, you can you already know these consequences okay. of what that would be. Yeah. Um, which ends up with this, there's a one little paradox that's really um, important. There's a, a watchmaker who... Oh, I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he he's the one who's created one of the time-travelling devices um, and he's also written a book about time travel. But you find out as you're jumping in between all these different timelines that are all exactly 33 years apart. I'm not exactly sure why that's the case. But 33 is really important. Okay. So they're all exactly 33 years apart. But the reason that he writes this book uh, and creates the time machine is actually because people in the future have come back and given him those things and he's only then. So they, they talk about there's a particular paradox um, where actually the book has no particular origin because he only wrote the book because someone from the future came and gave him the book, which he then wrote. <laughs> okay. And so it, it only ex so there was no origin of it outside of this loop of time wow. um, that exists, and it's the same with the time machines. Anyway, it's probably sounding really crazy. It is brilliant, yeah, really, really excellent. Uh, so yeah, I'd recommend it highly. Is it is it subtitled? Uh, I, I watch it with subtitles. Uh, you can probably watch it with English dub, but I just find oh, that frustrating. Yeah, because, that's weird. Yeah, the the voices and the yeah, the mouthing doesn't quite come across no, perfectly. Uh, Money Heist is that one that I was watching during COVID and I oh, think okay. it's Spanish. Right. And the voices just don't – sometimes some of the voices just do not fit with the character and what the character's saying. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather listen in German and read the subtitles. Is that helpful, like, because you have German heritage? Are you oh, learning look, a bit of German? I don't really – under, I know – so there's a smattering of words every now and then. I'm like, oh, I know that one. Nine. Uh, <laughs> nine. <laughs> um, yeah, those ones that are fairly common with, yeah, have a strong overlap with hmm. um, with English. Yeah, kind of obvious, but most of it goes over my head. I struggle with time travel, but maybe I will give it a go. Give it a go and see what you think. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a massive purist when it comes to time travel. You have people who argue incessantly about the ins and outs of what you should do with time travel and not do with time travel. But mm. I think this one is working quite well. Um. Yeah. yeah, it sounds very complicated, but it seems like you've managed to pick like 
to write a story in that way that's so complicated, but for you to understand it, it must they must have done really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's apparently it's quite well acclaimed um, in Germany, at least. Well, yeah, I mean, in Germany particularly, but um, it was one of the first German shows to be produced by Netflix, I think. Right. Um, so it's got three seasons in total. So I've got one more season to go. See how yeah. it all wraps up. Um, it reminds me of uh, my son reads a, 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 seri- a book series called The Butterfly Club, and they do a similar thing that they they time travel, but they're not allowed to go too far, and they bring back inventions from the future. Oh, right. And introduce it earlier. Yes. But I, I'm still trying. I'm I'm reading it to my two oldest children right now. I'm still trying to work out why they're doing that. I'm okay. still unsure why they're doing that, but we're yeah. only about a quarter of the way for the, through the first book. Ship of Doom is the first Ship book. Ship of Doom. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, if you want something that's a little bit mind-twisty, bendy, um, a little bit dark, um, but just captivating, mm. I recommend. Well, in contrast dark. to dark, mm. let's talk about the light of the world oh, on Christmas. That's Jesus. That is Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, this will actually come out after Christmas Day. Right. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope you had a, a good time. Yeah. <laughs> but what I was going to ask you is, and as our children's pastor, you're also planning our children's service that yes. we're having. Yep. Why don't we discuss what makes a good children's service or what should be there or what shouldn't be there? Mm. Um, I, are we planning a really large production with lots of lights and lasers and things like that for the, for the, for the house? I don't really service? have the budget for that kind of uh, thing, but yes, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe you can time travel and figure. Maybe it out. time travel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if Athletic Greens wants to pick us up, and oh, AG One, yeah, AG One, yep, yeah, pick up some sponsorship. The only reason uh, we want that is we need lasers. Yeah, we need shows. lasers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a sponsorship for the podcast. Um, no, I think. Um, Sorry, no, uh, we're not doing a lot of lasers and lights. Um, so we, we talk a lot on the podcast about our strategy as a church mm. and talk about intergenerational ministry a lot. And we also talk, I think it was Stu last week, um, he's kind of playing around with this term of moderate intergenerational churching. Yes, yes. And so um, moderate intergenerational ministry is one that uh, looks for opportunities for intergenerational engagement but is also... Uh, not going all the way to the extreme of saying, well, everything you do all the time must be intergenerational. And I think that plays out obviously in the way that we still prioritise excellent age specialist children's ministry, youth ministry, um, seniors ministry. Uh, We don't really have that much as a church, but, you know, those kind of things. We have – there have been times when we've had crafting ministry, so that's Mm. based around a particular uh, interest. Um, And so there are things where – it's still um, appropriate to get peers together, whether that be generational peers or life stage peers or um, interest peers, and that that's totally fine. Um, so not everything you must do has to be all in, all together, all the time. Uh, and so when it comes to the Christmas Eve service, one of the things that we used to do at Sky Mere when Tracy McCall was in charge of the Christmas service, and I was kind of her offsider, was to run kind of a, a pageant kind of style, like a pantomime kind of, like lots of characters and dress-ups and very kiddish. I enjoy that. Yeah, it is really fun. And the when it comes to thinking about like those kind of events, um, I'm always, I've got this little paradigm in my head where I'm thinking, is this 
more like play school or Pixar. This is kind of the differentiation in my head. Mm -hmm. So uh, play school um, is aimed at kids. So you're intentionally designing your program to be accessible to kids. It's pleasant for the parents to have on in the background, but you're in no intention is to attract uh, teenagers, you know, even primary school kids, teenagers, anyone else upwards with the program. You're not going to have a 20-something-year-old single person who goes, oh, I think I might watch some play school. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's designed for kids uh, very explicitly. Pixar uh, is a little bit broader in its approach. So, of course, because it's cartoony and cute, you, know, you do get a lot of kids who engage with it, but you get a lot of older kids that engage with it. You've got some teenagers that might be interested in watching it as well, even if they go with a younger sibling. Um, and it's also something that parents really enjoy sitting and watching as well because even if the kids – the kids are a nice excuse to watch it, but it's brilliant storytelling um, and they're really creative and captivating. And they often intersperse like appropriate adult jokes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little references that adults will get, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and so when you get to Pixar and you're starting to get more kind of intending something for all age or stage as opposed to intending something that is explicitly for kids. Uh, with our Christmas Eve kids service, I'm thinking more in the line of it's play school rather than Pixar. Um, I don't expect any of our teenagers at church to come to the kids service and uh, feel that it's something that they should be engaging with in any meaningful way way some of them might turn up some of them might turn up because the families come some of them are actually we're engaging them in the service itself so some of them are on band they're on the slide show they're on the sound mm. um, they're in the play but it, it's not meant to be meaningfully faith formative for teenagers uh, or for anyone who um, wants to just come and enjoy the, the reason you would come to this is because you have young children and you just enjoy your young children engaging with something fun um, and childlike uh, and festive um, that tells the christmas story mm. in an interesting way and so that's what i'm particularly thinking of in terms of that so it's another example of uh, where it's not designed to be intergenerational um, though i mean there are people who come who don't have kids and just enjoy yeah. being there because they enjoy hanging out with kids. But it's again, it's their, it's the relationship they have with children um, that they enjoy watching Christmas through their children's eyes or through children in the church's eyes mm. that they want to experience this with the kids rather than coming to something because they will find value and benefit for themselves. With that in mind, are you writing a new, a new, almost like a new play every year or are you just, pinching different parts and putting it together to make it something that fits what you're you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I mean, you're telling the Christmas story every year, so in one yeah. way the narrative yeah. Yeah, doesn't true. change. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of different creative ways the of getting delivery. to that same mm. – yeah, there's different skins you can put on to that same idea. Uh, so you've got the core – bits that are never going to change. You're going to tell the story. You're going to uh, talk about Jesus. You're yep. going to sing Christmas carols. Yep. Um, you're going to have the some at least some of the narrative of the Christmas story. You don't necessarily do all of it every year. Sometimes you might focus more on Mary and Joseph. Sometimes you might focus more on the shepherds. Some, this year we're focusing more on the wise men. Mm. Um, so they're going to be, you're going to be one of our wise oh, men. I am, yes. yes. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, it'll be really fun. Um, and so we will have... Um, 
Yeah, and so then you just kind of find some creative way of telling that story. Um, the way Tracy used to run it was really good. Um, so uh, we had when we had a guy in here, she would basically just have a different skin on, and it was basically whatever was kind of popular with kids at that point. So okay, yeah, when Care Bears had a bit of a resurgence, we had a Care Bear theme. When Happy Feet came out, we had a Penguin theme. When uh, Bob the Builder was getting big, we had Bob <laughs> the Builder theme. Like it was basically what are kids interested in. This year, let's just put that skin on it. Yep. And then there was some sort of um, uh, MacGuffin. You know, there's a – I don't know where this comes from. There's this idea in, in movies called the MacGuffin, yeah. which is basically the uh, the item you are searching for in a movie. So, uh, you know, action movies that are always, you know, we have to save the world because X is happening. You know, X is the MacGuffin. Um, I think it comes out of, like, film theory or something. <laughs> The, sorry, the object, uh, an object, device or event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant, unimportant or irrelevant in itself. Yes. Yeah. So no one actually cares or you don't even have to understand it. Uh, so the latest um, Mission Impossible movie where they're hunting some sort of AI generated computer. Oh, are they? Um, I didn't know and that. It, yeah. And it's just like, I mean, no one cares like about the AI generated computer. It's just, it's just the object that moves the plot along and creates the sense of you know, threat in the movie. I see. And so the way Tracy would do it, she would just have this MacGuffin that was always so, you know, Care Bear was trying to find their rainbow or whatever. Although they had that's all right, they had they didn't have a picture <laughs> on their uh, belly. Oh. And every other Care Bear has a picture on their belly. Why don't I have a picture? and so the whole thing is trying to find the picture that should be on their Care Bear's oh, belly. Yeah, you know, um, Bob the Builder has a has a problem that he can't fix because he can't find his hammer, he can't find his screwdriver or whatever it is and so you've just got these little things that are just moving the plot along but really it's just an excuse to tell the christmas story again so, so what's, that, what's this year's well it, so this year it's all about the theme is uh the perfect gift ah. um and so we're looking about the perfect gift. so we focus on the magi and each uh, we're going to have these groups of magi come through one with gold one with frankincense one with myrrh and uh we're going to explain uh creatively why those objects are the perfect gift for this particular child um, and then why Jesus is the perfect gift for us. For know. everyone. Yeah, mm. so simple little premise yep. and you just do it creatively. Um, and so you just got these little um, avenues by which you can just tell a simple story but retell the same old story again and again. Um, and the thing about doing it for kids is uh, you, you feel like you've done the Christmas story I mean, I've, you know, what am I, I'm 41. So I've done the Christmas story 41 <laughs> times in my life. But these kids have only done it six or seven times. Mm. Um, so they're not bored of it yet. Um, and so... So really, you've got to change it up for yourself. Well, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I have this problem with, I, I do a scripture assembly at uh, the local school. And uh, I, I have, I've done scripture assemblies at this school for Easter and Christmas for the last 16 years. Um, and it's often just me who has done them, and it's like, I'm now bored of me, but then I have to remember, actually, these kids haven't seen me 16 times. Yeah. Right. They've only seen me, you know, six times. Mm. So Don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I just get bored. <laughs> <laughs> I get bored with myself. Yeah. Have you got a memory of one of a Christmas service that really impacted you or someone else? And you're like, oh, yeah, we that was great that we did it that way. Um. I can't think of a really great one. I can think of the time it went really wrong. Oh, I can't wait for that. Well, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, and the only person who noticed was me. Okay, that's so, good. That's yeah. good. So it was Horton. Here's a who. 
I think the the yes. animated movie just come out. The Doctor Seuss story. Doctor Zeus story. Zeus uh, or Seuss? Zeus. Zeus. I don't know how to say it. Um, and so I was dressed up as an elephant, and I was Horton. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I was always the character. This was the other thing about Tracy's plays because she was the children's minister. She got to do the like the adult organizing, organizing, but also she was just Tracy. Yep. And I was always the random character, character of some that, kind. Yeah. That she would find. So, so I was dressed up in this as his elephant costume, um, and the MacGuffin was this letter that Horton had received. And so the service started. They sang, you know, some sort of song. I walk in. Everyone's like, "Oh, well, it's Horton. He's dressed as an elephant. Um, hilarious." I come in, and Tracy goes, "Oh, so Tim, have you? Oh, sorry, Horton, have you? Like, I, I hear you got a letter from someone." I'm like, "Ah." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I've just left it out the back. Jason <laughs> goes, oh, that's a shame. And she just rolls. She goes, well, how about we sing that song again while you go and find it? That's great. Like, great. Yeah. So she just rolled with it and just did another song. I think that's what I love about it, though. It's just yeah. like something could go wrong like that. Totally. And then we just keep moving on because it's like we're all having fun. Yeah. So I ran out the back yeah, and sorry. I was like, well, it's, it's in my office. And so I ran to my office. The office was locked. No, I no. looked in the window. My keys were on the inside. <laughs> with, next to the MacGuffin, like the, <laughs> next to this letter. And uh, so I'm running around trying to find someone who has keys that can let me into the office in time for this song to finish. And I got, I was quite stressed trying to think, oh, I've got to, oh, I'm ruining the whole show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one would have cared. Yeah. But anyway, I finally, I found the warden. He let me in and grabbed it, ran back up just as the oh. song was finishing. And no one else was the wiser. That, Excellent. Know, but yeah. Uh, so that was the time that it just sticks in my mind because I was like, oh no, is this going to work? Um, but yeah, it was fine. But I think it's just, um, I think all of them are, you're helping create a, a moment of fun and frivolity mm. Mm. and and joyfulness to better understand the story of Jesus. Birth. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just an avenue through which to to tell that old old story. Um, yeah. And yeah, ultimately, um, yeah, you want the kids to just know that as Christians, as people who love Jesus, uh, we love telling his story and we have fun doing it, and because it's a joyful story. And so I think that's that's the key. I mean, you, you could go too far. You could lose the focus of the story in the frivolity. You could um, go too big on the decorations and the sets or the, you know, the, the comedy of it or whatever. Or the production. The production mm. um, and, and lose Jesus. Uh, and that's why, I mean, you made the joke before about, you know, lights and lasers and yeah. whatnot. But I also think there's actually something really – important about uh, the way we do long-term low-key relational discipleships. That's one of the phrases we use a lot as a church. Mm. And I think that low-key is really important, that we're actually not going for high polish. We're not going for high production value. Not that we don't put effort in, but we are trying to – we're not trying to achieve uh, success by measuring of the – the largeness of the production mm. or the polish of the production. We're going, success for us is have we enjoyed as a family together uh, the story of Jesus and have we um, celebrated him appropriately, respectfully, um, with you know, a, a joyfulness, a fr- frivolity um, that 
just says, yeah, here we are together as, as friends, mm. um, enjoying the story of Jesus mm. together. Well, I think that's why when you said you forgot the envelope, <laughs> that Tracy just rolls with it and goes, oh, we'll just do this song again. Yeah. <coughs> and the people who are playing the song are like willing to, yeah, let's, oh, cool, we'll just do it again. This yep. is fun. But it's the low keyness of that allows like funny things or silly mistakes like that to be just, like, we just roll with it. Whereas if you're putting a high... Um, a high amount of concentration on the the performance or the production or the polished, you know, that polished view, view of it, that leads it to being like this is separate from people in the congregation too. And there's there's something about having the low keyness relational aspect that you're talking about to make it more engaging. Yeah. But also more we're sharing in it rather than up the front and down. Yeah, absolutely. In in the in the pews or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, and I think that's why I think it's fun when I really enjoy. I, I've said many times before I enjoy comedy, but I enjoy comedy in that sense of that you know people are just like yeah, this is fun and joyful, and I feel like people will connect with that. Will and like maybe people that sometimes just come for the Christmas kids Christmas service will be like, oh, that was fun, and now we we understand the story of Jesus, or we know the story of Jesus, or we recollect it in that way rather than I remember that amazing performance but maybe the it's almost taking the attention away from the story to some degree do you reckon yeah you can be distracting mm. um, by um, yeah but putting too much emphasis on on policy you lose why it is that we're coming together um, mm. yeah and I think instead of an extreme example is the kind of the dance mum phenomena <laughs> you know like yep. you have these these parents that are so uh, over the top in the pressure that they put on their young daughters or sons that they just they lose the sense of now this was just it's meant to be something engaging for your child to do and um, I mean, you probably get the same thing on the sideline of soccer. Like you get parents yes. that are just so invested in their child, their team and their definition of success, which is so outside the scope of this is just weekend soccer. Like it's just six-year-olds running yeah. around with a ball. And, and I, ac- I actually find more often than not it's about the parent, not about the child. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, those measures of success end up being some deficit that the parent sees in themselves. And then I can use my child to supposedly fill that deficit, but it doesn't end up being fulfilling yep. for the child or for the parent in the yeah. end. Yep. So I think, yeah, you're right. I was, something I've been thinking about lately, and it's uh, just some of the things I see online, in particular from America, and it, I think the church culture in America is very different to Australia, um, and just the amount of money and things like that that are available in uh christian circles in america and that i mean in one way in one sense i think that's really amazing because that means there's lots of people going to church in america Mm. which is which is really great but just there is this some of the content that i've seen is this tendency of like you just need to put on a great production it needs to be extremely good up the front you see there's like they call them worship teams and they have these gigantic displays and light shows and all this kind of thing because that's what's going to draw people to church but i just i I think and it could be cultural a cultural difference as well but i just much prefer what we're talking about here in terms of the children's service and making it fun and low-key and relational um i don't know if you have any thoughts on that but i and you spent more time in america around in church 
Oh, I mean, I've involved in church things than me, so. I mean, yeah, I'm mostly from far. I haven't actually spent all that much time in America itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember there was this video that did the rounds about this time last year of a rehearsal for one of these big American mega church Christmas productions mm. and they had uh, people dressed up as like nutcrackers with like drums and they're doing snare drum and they oh, were wow. attached to wires and so they're – they were flying oh, back and <laughs> flying back and forth across the auditorium, <laughs> um, and it was just like this is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's the the I suppose the, the best possible reading is let's do something that's super attractive that people want to come to that's enjoyable and engaging and. Um, and therefore, when they come, they'll be able to see this amazing spectacle uh, and then you tell them about Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the best possible spin, I would imagine, on that. Um, the problem is, and I was having this conversation this morning with a, a friend I was recording a podcast with, um, it was just the, there's this old adage that what you win people with, you win them to. So, okay. if, we, so if you win them with something that is attractional, something that is uh, that is um, kind of targeted uh, like in the commercial, sort of a crass commercial type thing. Like I, I want you to, you know, want this product and to buy this product and it's easy and it's, you know, then that's, that's what you win them to. You win them to a Christianity that is commercialised and um, easy to digest and is attractional and discipleship then becomes just keep putting on church as a production mm. where people feel comfortable and easy and not challenged and um, constantly uh, feeling that that person is the centre of the church because we keep trying to attract them. We're trying to cater for them. We're trying to make church all about them. Um, and actually church isn't about them. It's... For, first and foremost, about God, uh, about Jesus, and who He is calling His people to be, and mm. and the people He is creating around Himself. Uh, and if that's the case, then sometimes church is going to be really difficult. It's going to be hard, but it's also going to ask. It's going to cost me something to be involved in church. Uh, and so the question is: are, are you willing to sacrifice and to give in order to be part of this community of? God's people. And as we talked about a number of weeks ago, we talked about this on and off uh, a bit this year, The um, when, when there is a cost, there is then on the other side of that cost, there's a higher buy-in. So mm. the, the payoff on the other side is actually a deep commitment to those people because it has cost you a lot. Um, and not And the cost isn't necessarily a bad thing either. Um, and I said this a few weeks ago, there's that parable of the pearl of great price um, or the man with the, f- the treasure in the field. Mm. And, you know, the, like the verse says, in their joy, you know, in his joy he went and sold all he had so he could buy the field. In his joy he went and sold everything he had so he could buy this pearl. So there was a cost to it. Um, absolutely there was a cost. You don't get Christianity for for free. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is free, isn't it? It's God's grace. Mm-hmm. But... You know, the, it is going to cost you. It's going to cost you your own life that you're building out for yourself. It's going to cost your comfort. It's going to cost you um, being conformed by the patterns of this world um, to be re-transformed you know, by Christ. 
there are going to be things that it costs you, but actually what you gain on the other side of that cost is well and truly worth yeah. the cost. Um, and I think that that is what some of these big production that makes it really easy um, is uh, not communicating and, and not helping people to understand because we make going to church easy. We make it really comfortable um, and there's never a point of challenge. Whereas I think doing things in low-key relational ways, um, then I think even just the smaller scale means that you get to know the people in the congregation. It is relational. It's slow. It's long-term. Uh, and that helps you to build the capacity to actually be formed as a disciple of Jesus alongside these other people. Um, it's really easy to just sit and consume church when you're in a building of 4,000 people. It's really hard to sit and consume church when you're one of only 50 people in the room or 100 people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that you, you're forced into deeper discipleship um, and I think that that's a good thing mm. for people. I feel like also on the flip side of that, my concern with that uh, attractional way of doing things, it's almost like a bait and switch that, and it's really just playing off what you were saying though, of if you come and it's easy, it's always going to be easy mm. and you, it won't cost you much. That's what you, I think you're trying to say. But that's not true. Then we know that church is messy. So if someone comes to that church via that way of doing ministry, it feels like there's going to be a time when something's going to go wrong, something's not going to be great, and there's suffering's going to be involved. And there's almost a sense of like, why should this be happening to me? I thought church was all this high intensity or high production, great yep. value, yep. not costing me anything. That's my concern with it, I think. Yeah, you haven't built the spiritual muscle memory to know oh, that that's very good. Being, a, being a Christian is hard work. Yeah, I think that's the title for the podcast, Spiritual Muscle okay. Memory. <laughs> yeah, but it is hard um, work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, it, and consistently, there are going to be times... Uh, there are going to be times when there's great joy. Mm-hmm. Of course there is. And that's what we said earlier. We're doing this fun thing because yeah. being Christian is awesome. It's great joy. Um, however, uh, it's not just all joy all the time. There are really hard bits. Mm. And there's effort that needs to be put in in order to get to joy on the other side. Um, and so if we have this uh, cotton candy Christianity, which is really easy to consume, um, then it's... It's short-lived and it doesn't build a depth of discipleship because discipleship requires hard work. Um, you know, you, you see, even the way Jesus teaches, like he doesn't teach in a way that's really easy. Mm. Um, Par- actually, parables, he, for example. He parables, for example. Mm. He doesn't explain them. Mm. Um, he just says a parable and then waits to see how it lands. And half the crowd goes, I've got no idea what he's telling me. <laughs> and they walk away. Yeah. And he goes, okay. Uh, you know, one of my favourite passages is John 6 where the crowd comes to him and they've just had the feeding of the 5,000 and they say, do it again. Give us more bread. Give us more fish. That was awesome. Um, and he says, all right, this time you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to have eternal life. And they go, what does that mean? That's yeah. weird. We're and, not cannibals. Yeah, we're not yeah. cannibals. And, they, and it says like the, the crowd and it also says the disciples turned away and left him. Um, and he, mm. then he turns to the 12. So obviously there's this distinction between 
the of this kind of large group of disciples that seemed to be there. But even those who had been following him for a while turned away and said, "That's teaching's too hard. I don't understand that." Hmm. Um, and he turns to the disciples. He goes, well, "What about you guys? You're going to leave too." And Peter says, well, where else are we going to go? You alone have words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I really like about that is um, Jesus, uh, he, it's not that he's unconcerned about those who leave, but he has this non-anxious uh, presence amongst them. He, this, this non-anxious telling of the truth. And if people walk away, then he doesn't, change his tact and try and make it easier for them to stay he just yes. goes like no this is going to be hard um and you see that all the way through his ministry you've got to take up your cross and follow me um and yeah he says yeah you you better uh, count the cost before you follow me <laughs> um he tells the parables about having to uh you know a, a poor builder starts building without thinking about how much it's going to cost him to build the tower um, a wise builder is going to calculate the cost and see if they've got enough. You know, two armies going to war, you're going to work out whether you've got enough army to bother taking on that other person. You know, and he says, you know, if you want to follow me, you've got to consider whether it's actually worth it for you. And so he really slows people down and he doesn't make it easy. Um, he doesn't do attractional, you know, come and you know, watch this and then it's, it's actually going to be super easy to follow me. You just have to do a few things here and then you can live in a life of comfort. He doesn't say that at all. Like he actually makes it difficult for people. Um and I th- think that there's a way in which we can communicate the good news of the gospel that doesn't hide the fact that it is uh, complicated and that it's difficult. And that's okay because it's also worth it. And I think that's what he, Jesus is trying to communicate in those things. And I think that's what Peter gets. Um, I don't think Peter understands in that moment in John 6 what Jesus is talking about. That happens a bit with Peter. Yeah, yeah. Later, doesn't yeah. It? <laughs> So, but Peter has seen enough of Jesus to say, even when I don't understand, I'm going to trust and I'm going to follow you no matter what. So he says, you alone have words of eternal life. I don't understand those words. The whole eating your flesh and drinking blood, that's weird. I don't get that. (laughs) Um, But I trust you enough to stick with you. Mm. Um, and Stick through the messiness and the cost and the sacrifice that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And And again, as we just said, come back like the whole... The, the mega church spectacular big production kind of stuff uh, is I don't think does a good enough job of communicating the the cost of discipleship um, and how difficult it is. It, it makes it uh, easy and doesn't ask much of you. Mm. You can just come and sit in an auditorium and watch a play and go, oh, isn't that nice? I've done Christmas now. And this is amazing. And usually it's amazing. amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the production value is going to be heaps higher than anything we ever do. Um, and... Uh, but, yeah, I wonder whether the trade-off is that uh, not asking as much of people actually doesn't give them a spiritual resilience um, spiritual. To, to challenge. Spiritual resilience, maybe another good good title. Go. Well done. Spitting them out. Spitting them out. Um, yeah. And I think also that is part of it, just going back to the attractional thing again, another concern, I suppose, is it, it looks a bit like it's, and this is something we've talked about before, is copying culture. And if the church does copy culture, it's always going to be five years behind. So therefore, it's not achieving what that idea of attractional, being attractional is probably the case anyway. And then leaning on more of the things that Stu's been studying into Andy Crouch's work, but it's our job to create 
cultural Christian goods. And I think part of talking about the kids' service um, over many years is that that's, in a way, that's a cultural Christian good. It's using different motifs or skins, as you called it, to um, tell the, exactly the same story. And that's the most important story. And even if you didn't put anything on and you just told the story of the birth of Jesus, I think that's pretty cool to mm. do anyway, isn't it? But then you can use some creativity to not change the the, the story of um, Jesus being born, but you can use it to tell that story in different ways. I think is really yeah, that's a really really cool thing to do. Yeah. I don't think the difference is that you you can have fun uh, in order to try and attract people to Jesus, or you can have fun. Because as Christians, it's really joyful expressing the joys. Yeah, and I think that the one that is striving for attractional ministry um, is is not going to succeed. Uh, it might succeed for some people in the short term, um, but yeah, you know, in the end, there's always going to be something more exciting to go yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, no matter how good those productions are, actually, a Taylor Swift concert is going to be a heaps better production value. Mm. Cirque du Soleil, so, yeah, <laughs> Cirque du Soleil, yeah, like, um, and and you can keep trying to chase those things, and you go, oh, wouldn't it be good if our Christmas thing was as good as a Cirque du Soleil <laughs> production? Um, and and but your motivation there is trying to chase culture, like you're trying to copy culture, and and you're trying to be the most exciting place, you know. Uh, whereas on the opposite side, it's, no, I'm friends with Jesus. I've been mm-hmm. reconciled to Christ because of the blood of Jesus. I've been reconciled to these people in this room because of the blood of Jesus. Um, and since we're together, how good is it to express our joy with each other? Um, yeah. And let's find really fun ways of doing that. Yeah. Uh, and it's, in some ways it may not look all that different from an outsider, um, but it's a significant difference in the hearts and the minds of the people who have been motivated to actually do that. Mm. And I think that that's really important. Mm. Having said that, I think we should get some lasers at some point. Okay, yeah, well, let's get some lasers then. Maybe those little laser pointers there. Kind of, that was oh, fashionable yeah. about five years ago. So we're just behind culture. I mean, there was... A <laughs> it was... <laughs> it was... I mean, laser pointers were a big thing when I was in high school. Or even yeah. primary school, maybe? Yeah. And those ones you could take down planes with and... Supposedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good sales job. That. <laughs> People that bought that. Um, all right, so let's move on to Christmas things. Okay. So one thing I think would be cool to talk about is that we just finished our Christmas carols event. Yes, you were the, one of the hosts, the MCs. The MCs, yes. Uh, what were your reflections on Christmas doing? We called it "Light Up the World." Yep, Christmas carols. There's the event that we ran um, in what we call. Uh, is a development area. You actually live there. Yes. In an apartment box uh, called yep. South Village and they yep. have a large park there. Yep. Biddy Giles Park. Biddy, is it Biddy Giles Biddy, Biddy, or Biddy Giles? Biddy Giles. Biddy Giles. I don't know. Okay. It's called yeah, Biddy Giles Park. That's the only time we ever call it that. Yeah. During Because we have to call it its real name. But yeah, what's your reflections on carols? Did you have a good time? I think it was probably the biggest attended one we had. It was definitely the biggest attended that we had. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you've been seen a couple of years, so you would be able to see the the, oh, the, fun, the fun, yeah. audience. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, me and Ethan uh, jump up and, and MC. This, this is our second year. Um, so obviously we didn't do terribly last year because I asked us well. back. No, I think you did really. So, um, 
bit like Ricky Gervais doing the Golden Globes. You just kind of keep doing it until you get asked not to again. You're cancelled enough. Yeah, that's right. Maybe we're cancelled. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, oh, it was really fun. It's, it's a joy to do. And I think it's, it's really interesting because we live in a very post-Christian society. Um, very small percentage of people come to church uh, or uh, interested in Christian things. And yet, even amongst a very post-Christian society, the carols still seems to be a cultural thing that people are willing to come to. Mm. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of people who were there in attendance, uh, most of whom we have not seen before as a church. Yeah, they're uh, not part of our church. Not part least. of our church, yeah. no. Uh, and so they come along and they, they sit and they enjoy. Some may be singing along. I don't know. It's hard to tell um, if people are singing. It is hard. But... They're, they're there, even if it's just a live music event, but it's clearly Christmas carols. It's clearly put on by a church. Um, we read the Bible. Uh, Stu did a short talk just explaining what who Jesus is and yep. what Christmas is all about. Yep. All the carols were about Jesus. All the carols were about Jesus, except for Jingle Bells. Except for the Jingle Bells, yeah. Yep. Um, throw one in for the kids. Uh, there's, yeah, we, we there was some kind of carnival type, Aspect like we had some kids' activities and craft and painting and things that they could do. There was big lawn games that we we hired to have on there, um, and I I mean I'm just genuinely surprised that people want to be there mm. uh, and want to be partake in something that is explicitly Christian, um, and yet again not uh, not anxiously kind of. Self-conscious, I suppose. Like we talked before about being con- uh, confidently Christian, non-anxiously confidently Christian. I think that's what it is. It's just like, hey, here we are. We're putting this on. We're from the church. We love Jesus, mm. and we're going to sing some carols because we love Jesus, and we're going to read the Bible because we love Jesus, and we're going to talk about the first Christmas because we love Jesus. Yeah. Um, and hundreds and hundreds of people would turn up, most of whom don't go to church, as far as we can tell. Yep. Um, and are happy to sit there, and I just think that's astounding, for starters. Uh, and I guess also the the low key relational dynamic that we have as a church means that uh, the the way we present the gospel there is clear, uh, it's direct, but it's also not um, you know there's there's no call for response. There's no uh, trying to follow up people's details or anything. It's just. We're just communicating this. We love Jesus. Here we are. We're not ashamed about that. Mm. We're also not bludgeoning you over the head with it. Um, and that's our church building just there across the road. And you'd be really welcome to join us because obviously yeah. Kirawee is not too far away for you. So, <laughs> you know, why not um, check out a regular service? And, yeah, the kids take tracts home and they everyone had a card that with a QR code that directed them to the lyrics, which also had links to the website. So yep. they've all got access to it. Um, but I just feel like there was a, a relaxed tone to the way that we mm. communicate it, which um, is really lovely. It speaks of who we are as a church. Yeah, it was like non-confrontational, but it still wasn't, wasn't shirking away from the truth. That, the that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, and I just think there's just really gentle uh, and, and winsome way that you can communicate the gospel that is clear uh, and that people can hear um, and 
just allows them to think about uh, the gospel, what it might mean for them mm. as well. Mm. Uh, and we, yeah, I mean, we we spent time in prayer beforehand. We met together as a as a team and prayed through the event and prayed for those who were coming. Um, and then yeah, you just entrust that the spirit is working um, yeah. and slowly chipping away at people and slowly. Uh, helping them to understand actually there is more to this than just a nice cultural moment where you, you sit on a rug and eat barbecue chicken while listening to a band <laughs> play, mm. that actually there's something more, there's something deeper going on here. Yeah. Um, but without us having to feel like we uh, we have to be really self-conscious about doing it. Mm. So, yeah, I think, you know, on either side of the where we're trying to hit, you could have something that was, there was no gospel because you're just trying to do uh, a good community event uh, and there was no particular mention of Jesus, just just a nice night out. Uh, or you could have something where, you know, you kind of come with the Billy Graham crusade kind of feel like, you know, you, you tell the story and you communicate to the crowd, you're, you're all lost, you know you're lost, don't you? You know, you really need to turn to Jesus. You know, that, and that, I just don't think that in our post-Christian world that that is going to communicate what we think it's communicating. Um, and so what we create is a moment of open invitation, uh, clarity on scriptures. So there's no backing down the clarity, but there's just a genuine openness uh, to mm. it that just says, hey, this is who we are. And we, we're unapologetic, passionately about this. Um, and if you'd love to consider that for yourself as well, then yeah, we want to create a compelling story for you to do that and create the opportunities and avenues by which you can follow that up for yourself mm. i think it was a good example of creating another christian cultural good is that we're in the community you're very welcome to come but we're not watering down the gospel here at all yeah we're not jesus was born and he was born to save the world yeah and this is why and then we're going to sing about it yeah and then, then we'll read the bible that says that yeah and we're also having bible talk that talks about that too so yeah yeah and there, there have been times in European history, where Christians have been on the forefront of creating cultural goods. You, know, you think about some of the artwork that came out of the Middle Ages, you think about stained glass windows, you think about the beauty of some of these cathedrals, mm. um, the architecture that was inspired because they were inspired by who God was and the grandness of God, the vision of God that created these incredible structures, um, the paintings, the music. You know, you've got um, Handel's Messiah, which is still um, this is amazing, you know, Opera type style music. I don't <laughs> know enough about classical music, so I'll just for again wrong. Yep. But yeah, this this beautiful opera where uh, it is just about Jesus. Just it's all about the Messiah, <laughs> um, very explicitly, um, and yet it's known as one of the most wonderful classical works of art, um, and it's still performed every year at the opera house with you know and sell out crowds and. So you, you have these things where have come down to us even hundreds of years later because they were such good cultural goods, such compelling mm. articulations of who Jesus is. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's not just because the West was you know, Christianized. It was because people who genuinely loved Jesus were creating things and who, they knew who Jesus was and they create works of art uh, because of that good cultural goods. Uh, sculptures and paintings and and you know architecture and all these kinds of things, musical work, and there's 
I th- we, we lost that somewhere. I'm not quite sure where we lost that. I don't know enough about history. But, you know, certainly the, the Christian music that was around when we were growing up was, you know, fun. We've talked about that before. Yeah. But, I mean, you've just got bands that are copying the pop punk of the day or the glam rock of the day or the, you know, there's, there's very few Christian bands or Christian musicians that stand out as genre-defining. You know, they are creating the best possible version of this genre of music or whatever. You know, you don't have a lot of Christian architects that are making explicitly Christian buildings that are beautiful and, um, you know, communicate the worth of God in what they create. And uh, and I just, yeah, we somehow we, we ended up trying to copy culture um, and, as you say, ended up five, ten years behind where culture was mm. uh, rather than actually just saying, no, because we love Jesus, we're just going to try and create the best that we can, um, and and you're right. I think that the Carol's event is uh, we as a church we love Jesus, we love celebrating Christmas, we do love Kirawee. We've got a heart for Kirawee. Uh, we want to see Kirawee saved and radiating out from that to our other centres and and you know Shire, Sydney, Australia, the world, mm. um, and so we want to share that with them. Um, but it again that orientation comes from. We know who we are and we just want to share that with others uh, in, in creative and compelling ways. Yeah, I wonder if it's because, like using your examples of across history in terms of cultural goods, I wonder if it's because as we've become increasingly post-Christian, it's just not even in the realm of most people's thinking to create something like that. Whereas, I don't know, when you were talking about 15th century and, and the cathedrals and stuff like that, yeah. it, was, it was much more focused around or yeah nations were like we are christian so that might be maybe I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah again i don't know enough what if we finish with this episode with a little bit of a christmas special oh even though it's uh, it'll be after christmas <laughs> uh how do you celebrate christmas as your family yeah um uh very low-key um low-key long-term, long-term relational long-term relational yeah <laughs> uh so the uh, couple of quirks of both mine and Ross's family is that we actually end up not doing anything on Christmas Day. Oh, um, that's different. Yeah. So we go to church. Uh, we celebrate Christmas Day with God's people, <laughs> which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really love that. And, um, yeah, so we just hang out at church and we're often the last to leave because we're not rushing off to do anything. And... Then we go, typically go home. We might have a small roast, um, uh, like a yeah, turkey roll or a chicken roll or something that's just yeah, chucked in the oven with some baked veggies. <laughs> have that together as a family. Um, sometimes my parents will come around in the afternoon and share a pudding. Um, <laughs> but my brother and his in-laws, so, so my brother's in-laws, they um, have a whole lot of Christmas Day things that uh, take up all of day. Right. And so my immediate family, my, my brother, his family, my sister and my parents, um, we don't hang out until the 27th um, and that's our regular day. Why is it why the 27th? Oh, uh, because it's not Christmas Day or Boxing Day. It's kind of the next right. The next day after that. Yeah, okay. um, and so, yeah, so this year we're going out to a restaurant and just – enjoying some food and it's okay. pretty low key there you go so yeah um in the letter up to christmas uh you know we have you know we set up the christmas tree um mm. 
and we we have an advent calendar. We're not very good at keeping to like remembering. We have the little names of Jesus. So there's 25 names of Jesus, yes. and you turn one over each day and yes. read a verse. That's the ideal. We actually mm. haven't quite got to that. We life is really busy. Ros has said a few times that it'd be better for us to celebrate Advent after Christmas because <laughs> that's when life has actually slowed down. It actually yeah, stopped. That's true. Um, yeah, so she's, I mean, she's a school teacher, so she works right through until late December. Um, I, I work through till Christmas Eve, and that's my first day of holidays. Mm. Um, and so it's, life just kind of has this great craziness. Um, but then we have really cruisy January. So, yeah. Um, often we've done Advent candles, um, an advent oh, wreath like on yeah. the table. That's nice. I like yeah. That. I only recently learned about that from someone in our community group who she's, uh, she was born in Germany and, and introduced that idea of there's the four different candles. Yes. Peace, joy, love, hope. Yep. That right? yep. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's a very Lutheran thing. So, mm. um, so it comes out of, it comes out of Germany. A, lo- a lot of these sort of winter, typically stereotypical winter Christmas traditions, um, were have an origin around Lutherism and therefore Germany, and, and that was kind of so the cutting down the pine tree, bringing it inside, decorating it with lights. Yeah, that's that was a very German thing. Mm. The, the Advent candle as well, and um, and one of the things I really like about the Advent um, candles, so you have typically you have four candles, maybe a fifth one for Christmas Day, and so each week of Advent you light that candle over dinner. Um, and then the next week you light that one and the next one, and then yeah. the third week. And so uh, what you're doing, sim- like experientially, the way you're experiencing Advent is the closer you get to Christmas, the brighter your room becomes. Well, oh, that's kind of cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. So, you know, week one there was just one candle, then two candles, then three candles, then four candles, then Christmas Day you've got five candles going. And so you're and, – and if you think about Northern Hemisphere, it's quite dark, um, and so you've got – um, the the light of the dinner table getting brighter and brighter the closer you get to Christmas mm. is a, a great uh, reminder, visual experiential reminder that you're getting closer and closer to um, Christmas Day. And also the whole season of Advent is all about anticipating Christ's second coming. And so, you know, we anticipate looking forward to Jesus' return. Yeah. Um, so that's been really important uh, to us in previous years. That's been uh, a good good thing for us. Um and yeah, just I mean, just being around church a lot, I think is is really good. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember which one it was, but they were talking about how um, the whether Christmas is more about uh, your church family or your home family, mm-hmm. like your biological family, mm-hmm. um, and the difference in different traditions, like religious traditions, and how a lot of liturgical traditions, like Anglicanism and uh, Presbyterian and others. Um, have a high view of gathering together as God's people on Christmas Day. Uh, But some of the sort of low church evangelical, particularly in America, um, have ended up being putting the household, the family, as primary on Christmas Day, which has um, been interesting in the few years when um, Christmas Day has fallen on a Sunday. Yeah. And there's been churches that don't open, hmm. um, and they're like, "Well, we, yeah, because we want to allow people to go to their homes," which is basically saying we realise your family, your biological family, is more important than the church family during this time. Um, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting um, 
perspective. Um, but yeah, so I think so partly because of the quirk of we don't meet with my biological, my, my extended family until a few days later, but also just that tradition of, yeah, of course you go to Christmas on mm. Christmas Day. Like we, had, we do two services on Christmas Eve and one on Christmas Day and we're at church a lot over that weekend and it's brilliant. Love yeah. it. So, yeah, and that's just, I've never really questioned that, but I've also really enjoyed it. Yeah, mm, that makes sense. The thing that with Christmas, it always, like you go through the thing of being a, a kid at Christmas and you, like you always wanted Christmas presents and stuff yeah. like that. And I grew up in a non-Christian family. But um, the thing that upsets me about Christmas is how stressed people get about it. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's, we've got to go to all the presents, we've got to do all this. And that kind of thing you were talking about with Ross saying, well, really the nice time to send is after Christmas, yeah, yeah. not before. We can um, bring back the celebration of the 12 days of Christmas. Oh, yes? So the 12 days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day, I believe. So that whole song, yeah, the 12 yeah. days. Yeah. So you count from Christmas up. Yes. And they're, and they're the 12 days of Christmas. Yes. And so I think that, that that's another sort of cycle. My, oh, my kids' school do something like that. They're like, do these different things it's oh, right. in the yeah, lead yeah. up to Christmas. Yeah. Um, but what about you? What yeah, do you guys do for I was, Christmas? Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, my wife's grandmother is a refugee from Latvia from World War Two, And they had, uh, it's been a really nice addition because we, we're kind of talking about this. How It's funny how we all have different traditions in terms of family. But there's a nice tradition that we have now that my wife and I practice with our kids is uh, there's a bit of a thing that comes from comes from Europe is that you actually celebrate, do a lot of Christmas celebrations on Christmas Eve. Yes. Yep. Which is, we have church on Christmas Eve, for example, but also uh, there's like some gift giving and like sometimes there's a dinner and things like that. So we don't have dinner anymore, but uh, I think we have done that in previous times, but now as a family, we go to church on Christmas Eve and then come home and um, my wife does this thing of making sure the kids have a present of uh, new pajamas Um uh, a book to read and what's the other thing I've, it's completely it's but three little things like that yeah, yeah. It's like a christmas themed book um and it's just a nice way of celebrating like leading into christmas rather yeah. than i mean i think it's one of the things that i get a little bit annoyed about with christmas i suppose is like obviously the focus on santa and he's coming on christmas night so i think that tradition is kind of nice to lead into christmas day instead of like just the supposedly waiting for santa we don't actually do santa with our kids but apologies if i've ruined anyone's christmas but <laughs> but um santa doesn't visit your house is what you were trying to say santa doesn't visit our house yeah, that's right yeah, thank yeah, you yeah and um i just have found that really nice thing to do as a family yeah. and then if we can on christmas morning uh christmas day morning we try and go to the beach oh lovely it's just really nice yeah. so we do that we take breakfast down and have breakfast at the beach and just hang out this year it's kind of a bit different because my dad actually lives in the u.s so we're going to see him later in Bali. <laughs> and then uh, since that's been happening, that side of the extended family doesn't really meet on Christmas at the moment. But then we'll have uh, with my wife's family, uh, because they are, they have the Latvian tradition, their last name is Lokaius, which is an interesting spell name, but they have, they're called the Lokaius Lina, which is, it starts, like the meal starts in between lunch and dinner. Yeah, nice. So it's like 3 p.m. Yep. But the idea is like, it's just food is coming out constantly so you start with like nibbles and stuff and then you have like a main meal would be like a, a roast of some kind and lots of potatoes and all that kind of thing and then 
Sounds there's, delightful. And then it's dessert and like, yeah, yeah it's just like you're so full by the end, obviously. <laughs> but, and then sometimes we'll go look at Christmas lights. Oh, nice. In yeah, the yeah. evening. So that, yep. that's, that's really cool. At this, this moment, I'm spending, we're spending Boxing Day with my family. Um, but I do like the kind of one, one day's Boxing Day, one day's Christmas Day because we were doing, in previous years, we've done three different Christmas events because my parents are separated as well. So we'd end up doing three different things all on Christmas Day. And we're just, we're so tired yeah, by yeah, the end of the day. too much. Yeah. yeah. And Boxing Day was like recovery day <laughs> from, yeah. from all of that. Yeah. But I, I'm, I, and I think that's the other thing that I get a little bit annoyed at Christmas is the focus taken away from Jesus and put on Santa and presents. Yeah. And I feel like that family thing kind of is more of a, to tie it all back to what you started with with the kids service is yes, you're being a family, to, but on that Christmas Eve thing for us, it's that joyful celebration of like Jesus as one. Yeah, it's yeah. for us yep. and doing that just together as a, we've been it with our church family and then we're doing it with our immediate family. I think that's a really cool way of doing it. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I think that's, that's really good. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, we, we can get caught up with the commercialisation and the, the presence and the, you know, the greed really of Christmas. Like what am I getting under the tree and what, yeah, all those kinds of things. And I think it's, it's great to keep orienting us back to, to Jesus. Um one of the other things I was thinking about, another tradition we picked up mm. um, as we, you know, me and my son particularly, were looking into some of our German heritage was yep. um, that, uh, so St. Nicholas actually comes on the 6th of December. Right. So that's uh, St. Nicholas Tag, St. Nicholas Day. <laughs> um, and that, uh, and so on the, on the night of the 6th, um, he traditionally will bring uh, food, fruit, nuts, and a toy. Um, so again, mm, small kind, yeah. kind of trinkety type stuff yeah. um, and leave it in your boot outside your room. And so we've started doing that regularly now that um, the kids wake up on the 7th um, and um, St. Nicholas Tag has, has come. <laughs> and, um, and again, we've never done Santa as in like we've never uh, communicated to them. There's a realness there. It's just kind of like this is a game that people play. Mm. Um, but it's a great way of us you know, sort of joyfully joining in with our German heritage uh, as well and, and they mm. get some little toys. So they got some little bits of fruit and, and nuts and a you know, little Lego toy and things yeah, that's you cool. know, on that day and it just kind of helps break it in, which means that um, on December 25th, it's actually the Christ child that comes and brings all your gifts. Because oh. Santa's already come. So Santa. Jesus bringing the gifts? Yeah, basically. Yeah, wow. the, the Christ child. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. And it's just lovely, I think, it, and again, tying back to another thing you're talking about, it being low-key relational because of what Jesus has won for us. Yeah. Is, yeah, you're doing that thing of celebrating your family anyway, but it's like, well, Jesus has blessed us with our family. That's right, too, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Not, it doesn't come about, oh, we all got to get together. Like, it's a very strange thing. It's like, get together with people you haven't seen for a year sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. And yeah. I think those kind of little things are actually a, a really good way of, maybe mitigating the things that I'm talking about of just like there's just so much stress and so much put on this. It's like actually let's use this time to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. So like first of all being born yeah. and then dying on the cross for us. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Thanks, Thank you John. very much. Last one of 2023. That's it. Another Thank year. You. Thank you for another year of Shockers Orba podcast with me and you and Stu and everyone else that's been on here. Joey's We're been on a few times. Joey has been on a few times. I'm yeah. sure he's going to keep coming on. Uh, this will be a break. We'll have a break for a couple of weeks on the Shock Absorber. If you're listening or watching, just to let you know, there'll be a break. 
but we'll be back next year in January with plenty of more content and we're going to hit on a lot of Stu's PhD and what mm. he's been researching exciting. there. It's very Some exciting. good stuff coming out there. Very exciting. Uh, even though this comes out of Chris, after Christmas, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Have a lovely time celebrating the birth of Jesus. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. One way. One way. One way.